It is a Fairbanks Friday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. On today's show, Nick Fairbanks comes back to Locked On Panthers to discuss the first four games of the season, get a little bit of a wellness check. We are also going to discuss how much better we feel about the Panthers defense through the first four games versus how we felt during the offseason. And we are going to preview tonight's first battle of Florida for the 2022-2023 season and just have more reverse retro talk on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez, and you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On AHL and Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Stu Roden. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, another another day, another opportunity, and another, this will be the first edition of the Battle of Florida this season for the Florida Panthers. It'll be a 7.30 puck drop on ESPN Plus with John Boudreaux, Ray Ferraro, and Emily Kaplan uh, at, right at FLA Live Arena. So, the first ever edition of the Battle of Florida. But first, we got to bring in our guest on the show, Nick Fairbanks, on a Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. Nick, welcome back to Locked On Panthers. Thank you for having me again, Armando. And it's a uh, great Friday to be on. The Panthers are three and one, and uh, couldn't ask for a better start to the season, in my opinion. So uh, we'll get into some of the features and some of the things that they're doing uh, later on in the show. But I'm very happy where they're sitting right now. And think about the uh, think about the early roller coasters that we've been through now this season, and just how quick of a trigger emotionally that we could all have when injuries start to mount up, and of course the cap where it is. But I just like I said on yesterday's show, days like days like Wednesday night kind of reassured for me that this is still a playoff team on paper They They still have a lot of the core pieces from, from la- the last few years. And, and of course, with the veteran experience of a, of a Paul Maurice being around, you, you, you see that there's a little bit of a different tone, a different, a, a, a different type of style for this team as well. But in, in some ways, but also the fact that this team has known that even when they're down, whether it's on the scoreboard or whether down a player, that they've always learned how to respond. Most definitely. And uh, it is unfortunate that Florida did lose Aaron Ekblad to uh, another injury. Um, this is his third in three seasons. Um, you know, but it seems like Florida, is, you know, kind of keeps trucking along. Um, I posted on Twitter um, during Wednesday night's game that the Panthers were like 30, 10, and one when he's not in the lineup or that he's been injured over the last two seasons. And now you can put them at 
31, 10, and 1 uh, in that span. So it's either the guys are stepping up or that the coaches are putting the uh, players in a position or at least uh, maintaining the game uh, or changing the game plan uh, game in and game out to make sure that, number one, they're being successful, number two, that they're covering their bases. And I think Wednesday was a perfect example of that. Um, You got to see how the team really kind of – you know, took advantage or took care of the defensive zone. Um, they didn't let too much stay in the defensive zone. They were just chipping the puck out and making sure that the puck was getting to the forwards a lot. And um, everybody on uh, TNT were actually mentioning that, just saying, hey, you know, the Panthers defense is not, you know, they're not looking to keep the puck, uh, hold on to it. They just want to get up to the forwards as fast as possible. And that was a recipe for success. So, um, just showing that, you know, the team is manageable and that they're open to different ideas and how to change uh, during the game or make adjustments during the game is a huge thing. And that's what playoff teams need to do. Yeah. And, and th- this team is, this team has always uh, found a way and this, it, it, especially now that we have, we have seen players who have been probably playing fourth line minutes um, getting an increased role, like an Etu Lusterainen, like that, that, that third line of Etu, Lundell, Colin White, Colin White has been great. He's gotten, gotten two goals. And, but also that line has, has not conceded really any goals. The only, as far as goals against per 60, Colin White is at a, at a zero. Etu Lusterainen is at a zero as well. I, I, I mean, Lundell. Lundell's like some uh, at two for 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 sixty minutes, uh, but playing with different players uh, during uh, on, on the ice. But still, that's a that's a third line that has really cracked down defensively. That they're helping their their decor as, as well, just despite being down players. I mean, and also let let's also give credit where credit is due. Josh Mahura, uh, a, a recent waiver claim for the Panthers. I know it's still early for for this team, but he's shown his ability to move the puck into the zone, uh, get get the puck, um, dish the puck into the boards, and helping his forwards um, dig deep and go into those board battles. Because the Panthers, they they have really they have really been great on those board battles, and those board battles have left let let to goals. I mean, for example, I mean Alexander Barkov. In in I believe Wednesday's game in the very first goal it was it was because of a board battle that led to Carter Hagee's first goal of the game so mm-hmm. that's also that's also where where I'm noticing for for the Panthers of what what they're doing right. Mahara has been actually a nice little addition that they picked up and um, I'm really glad Zito was on top of it because you know you had Carlson who was waived um, and then Kierstad who was also waived to be sent down and everything and Panthers land is like what's going on. We need to have these guys on the team. And, you know, it came down to the salary cap. And uh, unfortunately, since, you know, you know, one door closes on Ekblad being injured and everything, it opens the door for the Panthers to use that cap space to bring those guys in. And they were much needed help in Wednesday's game. But Mahura has been a nice uh, addition to the decor uh, just because, one, he can skate. And, yes, he does move the puck very well. And, you know, you, you try to figure out, you know, who is going to be your best puck mover on the team right now. And besides, you know, Forsling right now, um, who can you say on the team is moving the puck? Everybody else is more of a, like a shutdown type guy or, you know, they're going to play the board battles and everything. But, you know, it's going to be Mahura and it's also going to be um, Forsling. Now, Montour is going to be one of those guys, but, you know, we haven't really seen him since game two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and 
Paul Murray spoke about how Montour is likely going to get into the next practice, but the Panthers did not practice on Thursday. So as far as expectations for Montour to play on Friday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm going to go more on the side that he's going to miss at least one more game before the the Panthers eventually uh, face off against the New York Islanders on on, on Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, but mm-hmm. let, let's do a little bit of a fill in the blank uh, for 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 this uh for this segment before we transition to segment number two so fill in the blank uh nick on this statement through the first four games of the season the florida panthers are blank meeting expectations okay okay and for for me it's a little bit similar to yours but different wording uh, mm-hmm. For mine is beating the teams that they're supposed to, for for okay. for, for for what for what they're doing. Three out of the four four. Think about three out of the four wins uh, for the Panthers uh, against all pl- um, teams that didn't make the postseason last year in in New York, Buffalo, Philadelphia. Sure, a lot of turn with turnover happens. You can't exactly judge a team based on what they were last year. We were coming into the season thinking that Boston was going to fall off. It's proven early on that they're likely not going to mm-hmm. with all of their injuries. So I, I say through these four games, the, the Florida Panthers are just d- doing all the right things and and taking advantage of the easy part of the schedule so that when, when injuries do with an injury that's occurring right now on the Panthers roster, roster well, multiple injuries, uh, if we're including Montour, they're still showing the ability that even though the depth of this team isn't huge that they have still know that they are good enough to at least grind out at least a point or two in 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 the first four games and and hey six points six points out of eight so far i I, i'm i'm content Mm -hmm. most definitely and i mean that that's the thing though is that we didn't going into the season you know you didn't know how the team was going to fare because they're changing systems they're trying to learn a new defensive system and you wondered how that was going to play out and if the players going to buy in and it seems like most of them have bought in um you can definitely tell that there's a difference in game to game and also there's you know i don't feel like that you know we're going to have to win games 6 to 5 or 7 to 6 uh now you can actually win those low scoring one goal games um, which is refreshing to say. Um, I know, you know, for the average fan and everything, that might not be the best because, listen, scoring sells. But at the same time, this team is not about scoring all the time. It's about setting the tone. It's about setting themselves up for success so that when uh, May and June roll around, they're still around and they're making an impact uh, so that everybody can be included in on that, hopefully for a Stanley Cup run. Absolutely. And that's that's definitely the hope. And it's just uh, building off good habits as the season go- goes along. So, mm-hmm. But in, in segment number two, we are going to discuss about how we feel about the overall defense core of the Panthers from four games versus preseason expectations as well. But first, we're going to tell you all about BetOnline. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting, football, and the start of the new basketball and hockey season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. 
Bet Online, where the game starts. Second segment here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. Right after you listen to the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, make sure you listen to Lockdown Game to Game. It is local experts providing instant analysis from every game, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Games to Game covers everything across the NHL with local analysis. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcast. So Nick, you had an interesting question in our chat yesterday. Mm-hmm. And also, this is also a question that I want you to not only ask, I, I mean, I know what the question is, but <laughs> not only to ask me, but also to ask the audience listening about, about something that you asked uh, yesterday on the chat. So I'm going to give you the floor on this one. So the question that I had asked, and uh, this is through four games of the season, obviously, but, um, you know, besides Mark Stahl, I got to put that big asterisk there. Do you guys feel better about the defense so far this season compared to possibly last season? My answer is my, and my answer was very simple. And Mine was that I feel better about it after Wednesday than I did in the first three games for, 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 for this team. I, I mean, when Brandon Montour does come back, I do expect them possibly to be playing alongside Gus Forsling more, more mm-hmm. than likely. Uh, but also, also it's a great opportunity for uh, Matt Kierstead to, to log some more minutes. I'm going to assume that he's going to be uh, paired with Mark Stahl and Rago Goose is going to be, uh, paired with uh, Lucas Carlson, that that at least that's what I think uh, the the pair is going to be. I mean, and just just looking up the 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 Panthers and their and their defense right now, as far as for from hockey reference, even before Aaron Ekblad uh, went down, uh, his possession numbers were not really good uh, to start the season, but his goals against. We're, we're up there, him alongside with uh, Gus Forsling. So the possession metrics weren't the best, but the, the puck wasn't going in, into the net often when, when he, he was on, on the ice. And a, another one for uh, the Panthers as well is, as far as goals against uh, for, for the Panthers outside of Mark Stahl, I mean, Ratko Goose has been on the ice for a lot of them, and and Lucas Carlson. It's only one game, but he was on the mm-hmm. ice for a lot of them as well. But I'm not going to make too much of a small sample size for for those two. There's still plenty of time for for this team to get it going. But I mean, but le- let's also give credit where it's due because the penalty kill has been just outstanding for this team. They're 14 of 16 to start the season, and when when it comes to building a championship caliber team, you're, you, the, the most important thing is starting off on the defensive end. We spoke about the forwards of the third line in segment number one, but shifting to the defense, it, it's, it's still a work in progress. I didn't even mention on Thursday's show about Mark Stahl almost tipping a puck into his own net. Imagine what the conversation would have been af- after, after that game had that happen. But outside, outside of that, the, the possession metrics for Josh Mahura, he it, it's outstanding uh, for for him. He we we spoke about that a little bit more in segment one, but just the fact that when they are down a man, 
they're not giving up many goals. So I, I feel a lot better uh, about this team and for, and I, and Sergey Bobrovsky as well. Uh, we spoke about prior to the recording about he had, he didn't let in really any, any bad goals to at least too many of them. Uh, the one that stands out was the game against Boston against uh, Trent Frederick. Uh, and there was another one before it was called back for offside uh, on, on Wednesday against Travis Konechny. So that was one where a lot of people were like, Oh, Bob, you got to save that. But, uh, but the, the fact that Bob has been sharp and look and still showing his value as a, a, even though with the cap hit is not favorable for this team, Mm -hmm. uh, Bob has shown that he can still be very um, serviceable for, for the, for this team. Most definitely. And you mentioned that, you know, you felt better after Wednesday's game against the Flyers the Panthers actually had their best game defensively all season against, um, you know, Philadelphia. And that's the first game they didn't have Ekblad on the roster and that they were able to bring in uh, Kierstad and Carlson on the roster. So, um, you know, either the fact that, you know, Ekblad's um, possession numbers haven't been there. Um, you know, if you take that away and you insert two more D-men whose job it is now is just to get the puck out of the defensive zone, which worked against Philadelphia. They didn't play with the puck too much, just get it out of the zone. Um, not only that helped, but it got to the forwards and they were able to make their chances. I mean, look at, um, uh, for Hagee or, uh, Swaggy's two goals and everything like that. There were more battles or, um, Philadelphia's defense made an error and fell asleep and they just got the puck out of the zone real quick. So, um, not only that, but, you know, you, you have Bobrovsky who is still going off of last season. Um, can't ask for a better start from him either. I know he's, uh, two and run one right now, but let's face it, the, the game against Boston, um, I don't feel like Florida really pushed until the third period when they kind of almost tied this, uh, the game up, but uh, unfortunately just fell just short, but um, no complaints from him. And hopefully, you know, with Ekblad being out for, you know, who knows, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to say maybe two to three months just because with somebody like that uh, and it's a, it's a groin issue. Um, you want to make sure they're going to be hundred percent that everything's healed. You don't want to bring him back too early because, that can linger and also that could basically push him out to be long out longer. So um, I don't expect to see him until probably late December, early January. So this team has to kind of really buy into the defensive system and also what the adjustments are going to be uh, game in and game out or period in period out going forward. And, and the thing is the, the Panthers, they relative, like relative to game one game, uh, the fourth game against the Flyers, they, they are really making life easier on Bob as well. They're forcing to the outside. The slot is not open for the, for the opponents as well. So that's really kind of what's really helped the Panthers not always keep these games close as well, because, because I mean, I, I don't, I think their goal differentials plus two, but for, for, for the Panthers through four games with, with, uh, with, especially starting out early with a, a grinded out win, uh, a, a game against Buffalo where you lock down defensively towards the end, a, a game against Boston where despite being only playing four, you make a late push. That's in, like, the, mm -hmm. it, it was very encouraging uh, Monday night, especially that, that late push with four defensemen and tired legs, logging up more ice time that you need to. Your shifts are probably a little longer, double shifting, having a different defensive partner. That's that, that was already always tough to do for this team. And then what coming out on Wednesday after all that adversity and still 
and and Philly's really only pressure being really in that in the final five minutes when they went six on four. There's mm-hmm. really, as of right now, there's really not many complaints that you could have for this team. No, definitely not. And um, I think I saw a quote where basically that, um, you know, Paul Maurice is a very detailed individual. And you can tell that off of his press conferences. I mean, even when he became coach that, you know, he, he's very detail oriented in how each period is played or how different transitions are made in period. So um, one of the things that Aaron mentioned before he got injured, unfortunately, was that they're trying to make the defensive system as simple as possible. So that way, you know, you don't have to make a play that is complicated. You just, you know, chip the puck out. Hopefully the forwards are there to actually be able to get it down deep down. And then you have a board battle there. But, you know, are, are they're not thinking about so much as, you know, gap management or making sure that, you know, that they're making a harder player. They're having to overthink how to play a certain play. Like they are where they're supposed to be and that they have one or two plays just to make a quick out and everything like that. And that's how you win the game. Um, you know, possession will eventually be there because the forwards are going to be down helping, but eventually as the season goes along, the defense is going to know exactly where those forwards are going to be. And the transition game that we're seeing right now, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. it's going to be even better. You know, I mean, we saw against Philadelphia in the first and second period that they were just giving up chances galore. I'm surprised they didn't score five or six goals that game, you know, with how many chances they had. But that was just like maybe a taste of what it could be. Now, if they can start doing that on a consistent basis and if Ekblad's going to be on this is the defense they're going to play, there might be some fun games that are going to be coming here soon. Absolutely. And 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 the schedule that they have is a, is a little bit of a – uh, you you can you can you can't make the playoffs uh, in October and November, but you can definitely get out of contention early. And the Florida Panthers are putting themselves in a position that they will still be in the race uh, come later in the season. And with Paul Maurice, I've noticed that how he's distributing ice time. One of the biggest criticisms of Paul Maurice was how he puts uh, his his top guys uh, as far as logging more minutes, but. It's not a big drastic uh, change for for Paul Maurice. I mean, Alexander Barkov's average time on ice through four games is over a minute and a half. Reinhardt is a big jump, of course, because he's playing top line versus the third line. Uh, For Hagee, about 30 seconds more, but he's not playing too much on special teams. Lundell a little bit more. It's really mostly from what I'm seeing from the fourth line guys is that even though they're getting less time on ice, their shifts are a little longer from average shift time. So when the when the top nine guys get on the ice, it's more of a quality type of shift that they're giving and preserving their energy towards the end instead of just logging up a lot a lot of time and just tiring themselves out later. So we're seeing more quality uh, uh, shifts versus quantity. Yeah, and you have to think that that's more of an adjustment kind of idea, just because one, you don't want to tire your guys out after first period or two. You know, especially if you're going to be in tight, close games and you're playing playing more of a defensive structure. Um, You know, could you imagine just wearing out your players in the first period? I mean, I do that in beer league myself. So uh, I'm basically useless after the second period. But um, just knowing that, listen, you're either going to need a push or you're going to need some big shifts in third period, either to close down or close out a game or you're going to need a goal or two and you need your best players being fresh off the bench and everything, it just goes to show that there is a mentality or that there is a system and uh, process for them to be successful. And, um, you know, I, 
you know, last year, I think between Quenville and Bruno, um, you know, you had Huberto and you had Barkoff and you had Lundell and Reinhardt and you had all these top players playing both, like you're playing five on five, you're playing PK and you're also playing on the power play. Like, dude, I'd be tired as hell after the first period. Like if, if I got to play all kinds of shifts in the first period, yeah, I'm done. But now you have a team that's kind of a little bit more segmented as far as like what you want to be able to accomplish. And if you're giving the third and fourth lines a little bit more time on ice to really grind it out and where to the other team down, it's going to make it easier for the top two lines to make an impact and do what they need to do uh, to close out a game or to get a, uh, a game time goal or game winner. Especially because we know that that fourth line that the Panthers have is more of a four checking line, especially when you see someone like Ryan Lomberg consistently back in the offensive zone, just trying to create something. He always, always uh, trying on every single, um, every single time the opposing team's trying to have a zone exit. So that that's really mm-hmm. what you love to see, even even with a, a longer a longer shift from these fourth line players. But in segment number three, we are going to preview tonight's Battle of Florida, the first edition in this 2022-2023 season. We're going to discuss that next here on the Locked On. Florida Panthers podcast third and final segment here on the locked on Florida Panthers podcast on this Friday October 21st edition of the show Nick Fairbanks is here on this Fairbanks Friday edition and question Nick (laughs) I'm ready how after tonight how much will Matthew Kachuk hate Tampa more how much more will Matthew Kachuk hate Tampa that's a very good question. So can I put it on a scale of uh, how much Huberto hates Zito right now? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to say every single game that uh, Chuck has played with the Panthers, he's always been in the middle or he's always started something and everything. Um, you know, I think he got away with a sucker punch last game against Philadelphia, which actually Billy got penalized for. But um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a different element uh, tonight. And I, I think... Um, I think the rivalry is going to be reborn. Um, I think it's going to be on par with, you know, how much Huberto is looking forward to coming back and playing Florida, you know, playing against Zito. Um, this is something that I think Florida Panther fans have been waiting for to actually have somebody who's really good at hockey and also an agitator at the same time. So it's going to be really awesome to see if, uh, you know, a player like, you know, Pat Maroon takes the bait or tries to overpower to Chuck or, you know, maybe Stamkos will get under his, you know, get his skin uncovered. Um, I can't wait to watch it, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, the over under, I'm going to say it's going to be an over, like on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to say it's over 10. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder what the guys uh, um, in the Tampa Bay locker room are discussing. It's like, oh, he hates us more. Uh, uh, we, we, it's, they're thinking, oh, they've been, we've been to the Eastern Conference uh, final the last few years, Stanley Cup final three, three in a row. You could see someone like also like a Victor Hedman, a big Victor Hedman, also trying to get into the mix after after a whistle, as as well. And listen, the 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 Tampa Bay Lightning in this very young season are in, in unfamiliar territory. I'm not going to make so much of them being last in the Eastern Conference with only two points, Can't. and their only and their only game that they gave up more than three goals was a was a non Vasilevsky start against the Penguins. Uh, Brian Elliott started that one where they gave up six. So I so. Just really, even though Anthony Sorelli won't be playing, Zach Bogosian's out as well. Uh, 
Steven Stamkos, uh, six goals uh, <laughs> through through four games. It, it, very impressive. He just you you all you always have to try to have a body in front at least to to block his uh, very hard one timer shot from the left side. Uh, that that and and of course Kucherov, the elite passer that he is. We even we even saw one very early in the preseason of just a, a spitterama type of move that he had. So just. Of, and of course, we we knew what happened in game two last year as well. So we're always the the Panthers always consistently have to be on the lookout. So if I'm if I'm Paul Maurice, the one guy that I will try to keep probably in front of Nikita Kucherov, as far as in the Panthers zone, I'm gonna look at someone like Gus Forsling to try to have to try to, and he in specifically in the fourth game against Philly, he was everywhere with blocking shots and of course creating the most shots on goal as well. I'm going to look for Gus Forsling to continue building off what he did on on Wednesday night. Definitely. And he's one of the defensemen that can actually skate uh, with anybody in the league as far as I'm concerned. I mean, outside of possibly, you know, Connor McDavid. I don't think anybody can skate with that guy. But um, no, Gus has really come into his own and it was a I said this on Twitter too. I think he's been the best acquisition of Bill Zito out of everybody that he's brought in. Um, you know, I know we have big names like Ryan Harden to Chuck and everybody else, but Gus has stepped up and stepped into any situation and succeeded in every single situation that he's been put in. But with that being said about Tampa and everything like that, we've talked about them before. They, this this is just the regular season for them. They're not really looking to make a huge, you know, uh, show of it all. They're just going to coast. They're going to make the playoffs, and then that's when they turn it on. They've done it the last three or four seasons. Um, now, is the game against the Panthers probably a little bit more personal? Personal, okay. probably because we because because we see each other every year, like three or four times. But at the same time, like you know. You never can sleep on this team at all. I mean, all it takes is one play. I mean, I think Aaron Ekblad got victimized by a game one where he went to go poke check Kucherov and Kucherov just glided right past him for an empty net goal that he passed over to. Um, I can't remember who it was, but basically right there, you saw the skill level was like, sorry, if I can get in the camera here, it was like you saw the gap right there. Um, so I think this game is either going to be really tight might go into overtime or I hate to say it, Panthers fans. I think the lightning might come out with a vengeance tonight and actually try to want to put up a win and they could win maybe like five to two, five to one, unfortunately. Um, and that might be just due to, because the defense, you know, they haven't played a caliber of a team like this before and maybe they get a breakdown and they don't play to their game plan. Not yet, at least for this decor, but yeah, I, yes. I, I see, I see, I, I see what you mean there. And I think the Tampa Bay lightning to think of it as, Sure, they're still after today. There'll be seventy plus games still left, but you don't want to fall behind too early in the in the standings, especially with Correct. how Boston and Detroit are starting. Uh, and and just yeah, you have a lot of head to heads between those Atlantic Division opponents to make up some ground. Some a lot of four point games. That's been a topic a lot in in the off season about every Atlantic Division game is a four point swing uh, for, mm-hmm. for for each each team in this division, but. Losing two points for Tampa Bay, uh, I, I'm sure they're. Of course, they're, they're no, they're not. They're always going to try to get those two points. But even even if they don't, one one game, one game in the, one game out of 82, it, it, it'll show. 
it'll kind of show a preview of like how the Panthers can keep up with them and vice versa. But it's not going to be the whole picture uh, for, no. for this for this team and even for what's for the next few matchups. I, I think the next one after this one will will come in December, which will be actually one of the reverse retro uh, uh, games for the Panthers. Uh, they're one, bang, bang. Uh, yep, one of the only games that they'll have reverse <laughs> retros. And actually, before we get out of here, uh, Nick, uh, let's get your thoughts on the reverse retros uh, for the Panthers and the NHL. So I don't know what it is about hockey jerseys, but the the more weird they are, the more sexy they are. I don't know what it is about hockey jerseys, but listen, it works. Um, you have the secondary logo that everybody loves. I mean, I have it on the back of my car. Like, that's how much I love it um, as a decal. Um, you have the big stick with the palm tree and the sun in the background and then the baby blue. That's just Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that's the closest thing. I think the Florida Panthers are going to get to a Miami vice color uh, in their jerseys. Cause I don't think they're going to go full Miami heat, Miami vice, but I think it works. And then you go back to the shoulders that have kind of like the triangle striping next to them. And then you have the sleeves and then the bottom rows that come into it. Like it has all the feel of the original Jersey, but just enough to be like, damn, this is different. Do I like it? I don't know if I like, actually, no, I really like it. Athletic loves it and ESPN loves it. They say it's the number one retro Jersey of the reverse, reverse retro jerseys on the market right now. And um, one thing I do want to say is I probably will be there November 15th at the team shop to get mine because COVID year, when they did the reverse jerseys, as the point you made uh, previous to the show, jerseys weren't uh, readily available until January, February and everything. But I'm going to get mine November 15th for sure. This thing is sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with, and also where we were as far as where we were in, in the world with, with people not having uh work as well, maybe yep. I, I'm not sure what the sales look like for reverse retros, but I'm sure this time around, they're going to sell even more, especially because it's not the leaping Panther this time around as great as leaping Panther is, but this mm-hmm. one, as far as the, 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 palm tree and the hockey stick right in front like front and center uh just something like you said different that make that just makes it that just makes it so appealing and and just the 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 southern feel the south the southeastern palm tree feel that that is florida just brings just good vibes and uh, for this team and here's um (laughs) before we sign off here's the schedule for the reverse retro uh jerseys um, November 19th against the Calgary Flames, November 23rd versus the Boston Bruins, November 26th versus the St. Louis Blues. The only road game they'll be um, using them is at Tampa Bay, Ho- home against Seattle December 11th, January 1st against the New York Rangers, and January 28th against the Boston Bruins. So seven games that the Panthers will be wearing these uh, reverse retro jerseys. And I'm sure uh, for their opponents, they'll be wearing uh, their reverse retro jerseys as well. Uh no confirmation on that. Just gotta look. Th- I just gotta look through every other team and when they're wearing it. But yeah, the 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 Panthers they they knocked this one out of the park. The ones I dislike probably the most is Detroit and Chicago because it feel they they look the same. They look almost identical and just not. I I do like the that the Islanders brought back the fisherman uh, logo as well. Yes, and and I do I I do I do low key like uh, Seattle's and Calgary's as well. Calgary's is uh, definitely a, uh, um, you know, uh, 
like a, a calling to their previous jerseys back in the eighties and nineties with that stripe that was going to go up the center and everything. Um, I really like the San Jose Sharks one, the one that calls back to the seals. Uh, that one looks fantastic to me. Um, I do like the Islanders one. I really do like that logo. I think that's more of their logo than, you know, like say the lighthouse or, you know, just the New York Islanders with the Island on it. Um, Chicago was very disappointing. As you said, I feel like them in Detroit kind of talked to each other and said, Hey, we're going to do this and you're going to do that. And they're going to look really you know, similar. Um, and I'm trying to think of it. If there's another Jersey that I really, really liked. Um, like, I feel like Montreal is very similar to Florida's. That's what I was about to say. Like, I feel like Montreal was like, Oh, what's Florida doing? Okay. They got the palm tree and the, uh, the hockey stick. You know what? Let's just do exactly what they're doing, except put the Habs uh, logo on there. Let's just do that. Toronto is the same. I don't think they can ever do anything different. All they're doing is changing like how the leaf looks. Everything's going to be the same. Um, who? Oh, I love that the Capitals went back to the Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas by far. Yeah, that very Vegas. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, like when they do their pregame and everything like that, and they have the players out there, all you're going to see is Vegas, which I think is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and Vegas has one of the best uh, pregame. Uh, pregame presentations that the NHL has to offer just never been in person but definitely just seeing it on TV just definitely uh and with those reverse retro jerseys uh I'm excited <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to see uh what the what the vibe is uh, over there when when they do hit the ice uh, I'll, I'll probably got to stay up for like a late 10 10 o'clock game here on the east coast to check out it's okay what that's about for sure we'll be here with you <laughs> absolutely but Nick, hopefully we we get um, we see a win for this Florida Panthers team against their division rival Tampa Bay Lightning, and then the Panthers will be uh, playing uh, Sunday against the New York Islanders, the second uh, game versus the Islanders this season, right right before uh, right before hitting the road against the Chicago Blackhawks and Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, uh, let, let's uh, let's finish this homestand strong uh, for for this Panthers team, a, a place that the Florida Panthers are known to be really good at uh, as they had the best home record last year. But for, for, for everyone and the listeners, uh, tell them where they could follow you online. Well, thank you for having me on again. Uh, I love these Fairbanks Fridays. And I'm glad that Florida is actually, you know, meeting expectations, you know, compared to what you and I think. Um, but everybody can find me on Twitter at Prudentia zero. You guys can take all my hot takes how I really feel about Mark Stahl most of the time. And then also like your in, my in-game analysis and everything. So um, really appreciate uh, you having me on again and uh, looking forward to next Friday. Awesome, Nick. Thank you so much and see you next Friday. See you next Friday. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL where we'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice. Monday through Friday, available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get podcasts. Sorry, Marmando Velez. With Nick Fairbanks. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day. <laughs>